Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. In this episode, we dive into the question, what is evangelism? The best way to express the gospel to others is to live it out in one's own life. This is the message of scripture from the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 to 1 Peter 3 and the book of Hebrews. This kind of witness speaks volumes and is much more effective than being preached at or argued with. Stewarding life well is especially difficult in times of pain, sadness, and uncertainty. As difficult as these times can be, they are also fertile ground for making known the truth of the gospel. So Mark, we talked about your faith journey and our interactions, intersections along the way, with me mostly asking questions yeah. in, your, in your memory and, and providing some biblical direction, which brings up the subject of evangelism. Because that's not the way evangelism's usually thought of in the Christian world. But it's the way I've come to think about it. So I, th- I think the listeners might be interested in kind of our mutual understanding of evangelism. Uh, it's first, I think, important to recognize that evangelists are gifts to the body. There's a specific text that says that's a gifting some people would say that it's much more than just sharing the faith. It's also encouraging people to, to live the life. Uh, it's also undis- undeniable, indisputable that Paul shared his faith and Peter shared their, his faith. And then there's a lot of instances of people sharing the faith, ex- examples all throughout the Bible. But in my studies, I only ever found one passage that says in a command version, you go share your faith verbally. And it's in 1 Peter 3, where it says, when somebody asks you why you're willing to endure persecution gladly, unjust persecution, be ready to give them a defense for the hope that it is within you. And so the, the picture that I got from all this, plus the, the Great Commission, which says, as you go, that's a participle phrase, as you go, make disciples, baptizing and teaching them my commandments. So that's an introduction and then an ongoing process to get them to a spot of, of learning as you go, which is kind of like the, what do they call it, Shema in uh, Deuteronomy 6, and you shall teach these things to your children when you rise up all day long. It was a home-centric worship or experience, essentially, is what was commanded. I have come to look at evangelism as a way of life, not as an activity that you do, not as... And that doesn't mean you can't go and say, I'm going to make a deliberate effort to go share your faith. There's no prohibition from doing that. 
But I see on every page of the scripture, live it, live it, live it, live it. I see you should live it so much that people smell you. You know, you should create an odor. And so for me, I don't really think of myself as evangelizing. There was a moment was no. I was evangelizing and there was a moment where all. I wasn't. I just think of it as I live this life this way. I have a book that tells me what works and what doesn't. And that, that would be a great subtitle for the Bible. Holy Bible, this is what works. If you're willing to look in that sense, it's unbelievable wisdom. So why wouldn't you want to know? And so I just, I don't remember having any experience other than I'm going to start recording these things for you because you've expressed a need, which turned into Yellow Balloons uh, podcast. I don't, I don't, I don't think of a moment where, okay, I'm going to share the faith. And what I've heard from you is, if I, there had been a moment, I would have chased you away. So I, th I, think, it's, I think this is a worthwhile thing for, for people to reflect on, and just like from, from your side, and then what you have done likewise. Yeah, I think this is important because there are a lot of people that evangelize to me in a, in a more, what I would describe as stereotypical way in my lifetime. And it often, from my perspective as a non-believer, felt judgmental. You need this thing. I have this thing. You don't have it. Let me save you. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to save you. I'm, I'm here to, to be your Superman, to be your superhero. And my response was, I don't need a superhero. Thank you very much. I'm just fine. And so I would have turned away had you ever done that. And I remember discussing scripture this way with you and you describing what you just described. There's only one place. But even that place, it's responsive. It's not proactive, right? It's be prepared when you're asked why. When, how can you live this way? And so for me, that has become true evangelism. Live as to the best of our ability as God has commanded us to live. And people will ask, why are you happy? To what do you attribute your calmness in the storm? That was one of the things that really attracted me to Christians, broadly speaking, uh, when I was seeking. I would travel around the country. I do politics for a living. It's a dirty, nasty, brass-knuckle business. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And when I would meet Christians, really faithful, practicing Christians, they didn't seem caught up in all that mm -hmm. in the same way that other people were. So in that sense, they were actually evangelizing you Correct. their lives. Yes. It's just this thing that they think of as evangelism wasn't effective. Exactly. But their life was incredibly effective. Exactly. You had already gotten a long ways down the road when we started interacting. Yeah. Because of the lives of these people. So a, a, another pivot point for me was having dinner uh, with Dr. Dobson and his wife, Shirley. And I was at some big fancy event we're sitting around a table with 10 people at the table. Honestly, to this day, I don't remember who anybody else was other than Dr. Dobson and Shirley. And I was sitting across the table from him. I'm pretty sure we didn't exchange anything except for hello. I didn't speak during the entire dinner. They were, I don't know who, ambassadors and politicians, important people, quote unquote, and Dobson. And what I noticed during the entire dinner is everybody talked about themselves and what they were doing and why they were so important and everybody that they knew and all the things they had accomplished. Dobson only asked questions. And the entire dinner, oh, well, that's fascinating. How did you come to know the prime minister? How did you end up in, in Russia during that time period? 
I knew who he was. So I knew his backstory. I knew he was one of the most famous evangelists mm-hmm. in modern America. He had built a television network and a huge organization, ministered to millions of people. And yet here he was not saying anything about himself. That was so attractive to me. And I remember literally thinking, I have no idea what that is and how he can be like that. I li- but I, I like that. Like I'm, I'm, I, want it. I feel attracted to that. I need to understand what that is. So he was evangelizing simply by his being and, and by trying to be Christ-like and trying to walk. He out. had no idea you were even watching. No. I actually had the privilege to tell him this story on his radio show a couple of years ago, and he cried. Because <laughs> he literally, and I think we, you know, he knows he's having an effect because he's out there, but you don't know who you don't know. And so there's millions of people that Dr. Dobson's touched that he's never heard the story to have somebody sit in front of him and say, look, I'm a believer because of what you did when you weren't even talking to me. I think it's pretty profound. Yeah. Joey, what experience have you had in this arena? Yeah, I I think one of the things that I would say is that we have made the mistake of trying to treat evangelism and discipleship as two different activities. I mean, if we really believe that people are born with the image of God inside of them, then every interaction we have with people is discipleship. And I think part of it stems from uh, this, you know, finish line of salvation that we've created of let's get people into heaven. And then that's it. We've done the job. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, we can then invite them to maybe make some changes in their lives if that makes sense for them. But as long as they're in heaven, we're okay. Mm-hmm. And I think people feel really ill-equipped for how to live, how to be, because we've treated. And and then uh, the other side of the coin is turned off with this idea of like, you know, this afterlife that they don't even believe. Like, I, what are you talking to me about? I'm just trying to figure out who I am and what I think about living life on this planet. And so I think for me, it, one of the keys is, is uh, kind of like you guys are saying, you know, living your life in a way that models these types of things. We had a friend who had his brothers in town, and his brothers just like, they don't really have friends, like uh, a community. And my friend was like, I just want them to see us together. I just want them to see. And his brother called him the other day and was like, you know, I was actually really jealous of the way that you guys were, you and your friends, and I want more of that in my life. And I mean, that's the whole idea. That's evangelism right there. That's the whole idea right there. And so... uh, you know, I think we've tried to make things in Christianity sometimes too uh, certain, too formulaic. Uh, let's get them to this finish line. That's going to take this track or this you know thing, rather than saying we need to embody and communicate the kingdom of God in everything that we do all the time. That's harder, right? It's harder work to do that, and yeah. I think we've shied away from it. But I know you've got thoughts about like what salvation looks like and what that word even means. And I think getting tripped up on that has been a big part of the problem for many people. You know, you're, you're touching on a really big point, which is the question of what is faith? And we typically don't like faith. We prefer certainty. Yes. And there isn't any. You know, the, there's, there's, well, I say there isn't any. There isn't much. The one certainty that we know is we get three things we get to choose. <laughs> that's about it. Everything else is pretty well uncertain relative to us. It's very certain relative to God, but we don't know God's perspective. And so when it comes to what we usually call salvation, which is just 
one form of deliverance. It's being delivered from the penalty of sin, of not being born again spiritually. Uh, we, need, we need to be saved from all kinds of other things along the way, including drowning. So when we think about that, it's really just enough faith to look as Jesus was lifted up on the cross like the snake was lifted up, as John 3.14 says. The, the snake was lifted up because people were bitten by vipers and the question was, do you believe this proposition enough to look at that snake hoping that your poison won't kill you? That's all that was. And Jesus says, I'm lifted up just the same way so that if you look at me hoping to be delivered from this poison of sin, you will be. So where is where's the certainty in that? The certainty is in Christ on yeah, the cross. Yeah. And what Hebrews says is faith is certainty of things you can't see, having certainty about things you can't see. So the certainty is actually not the certainty of circumstantial control. It's the certainty of faith. And so I think that the evangelism starts with an understanding of what we're trying to accomplish, which is pointing people to faith. And then once you have that faith, then now you're delivered. Then the question is, now what? And the invitation of the scripture is keep walking by faith. Why? Because that's what leads to benefit. And everything else is self-destruction. And that's a pretty simple formula that's all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But I think, I think we like not to see it because we prefer the illusion of control. Yeah, and I, you know, even in my background, a lot of the language we use in, in evangelism activities are things like, do you know where you're going after you die? And the truth is, in the way that we are using the word know there, it's like, we don't know that either. Right. We believe mm. and we trust in, in what, what God says about that. But that's, that's an exercise of faith, not an exercise of certainty. Of experiential knowledge. And right. so then it becomes this uh, tricky sort of, and I think this is why a lot of people are frustrated with the church right now, is it becomes this kind of bait and switch where we just try to get them in the door with certainty and then they're in there and we're like, okay, actually it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> and they're like, well, what in the world? Um, so yeah, it, it, it's hard, but I think acknowledging what we're, what we're talking about up front is a huge part of it. And the other part of this I'm thinking as we're talking is there are probably people who are listening who are kind of breathing a sigh of relief who are thinking, oh, great, I don't have to evangelize. I don't have to do evangelistic activities. But I think the way we're talking about this is actually tougher. No, you yeah. have to live opposite. this all the time. Yeah. This isn't You're like always evangelize. This isn't like setting you free from having to share your faith. This means you have to live in such a way that anyone who might watch you at a dinner sees your faith. Well, and I think the best evangelism is done in the worst time. And so when you're struggling the most and, and you turn to God and you behave in a way that the Bible would instruct you to behave, it's pretty radical in this world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a bunch of those experiences in my lifetime of watching people around me. I mean, one is my very good friend, Jeannie Rapini. She's an executive with our organization. I've known her a lot of years. She's been through a bunch of tragedy. Her daughter's had stage four cancer multiple times. And I was always blown away by how she dealt with it and she turned to the Lord, right? And because of that, it's not that it wasn't traumatic. It's not that she didn't cry. It's not that it wasn't difficult, but she had a peace that I had never seen in anybody else. And even people I know who know Jenny who are not believers say, 
that's the most attractive thing I've ever seen, that you can go mm-hmm. through something like that. On a very personal level, where Yellow Balloons comes from, and Mariah, yeah. and, and your loss, mm-hmm. and when that tragedy happened in your life, and you lost your two-year-old granddaughter, and I came here during the height of that time, and the intensity of that time, watching your family, the church community, the reaction of everybody, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard not to be evangelized to when you see that because you see faith in action. You see the actual works that come out of faith and you see everybody turn to each other. And my thought is how how would you deal with this kind of tragedy if you didn't have that? It doesn't make any sense. Coming here during that time of your life, which was incredibly difficult, deepened my faith in in one incident more than anything else I've ever experienced. So Mark is ending our session here with a really heavy, heavy uh, thought, which is the main time I get to evangelize is when I'm irritated, tempted to be impatient, really ticked off, in pain, and that's when I get to really evangelize. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, it's just the reality. <laughs> uh, reality is an acquired taste. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. <laughs>